Well, it is good uh, to see you all here this morning. My name is Steve, and the lead pastor here at Ignite. So glad that you can join us uh, this morning. I wasn't here last week. Um, and the reason why I wasn't here is because um, Ignite is really passionate about starting new churches, and we have two daughter churches. Our first, uh, our eldest, is in Ukraine uh, and doing well over there. And uh, last week, our second daughter church is in uh, Castleton, North Dakota. Uh, so Harvest Plains Church um, celebrated their first birthday uh, last week. They had their largest crowd ever. Um, They had five people go public with their faith in baptism, and they welcomed in their first members of the church, and they welcomed in 32 members of of Harvest Plains Church. So can you just praise God for that? It's an amazing, incredible thing. It was an awesome thing to be there, and I want to say thank you for because you guys made that possible. God did, God did amazing things, but he used you um, because I just want to let you know this, that, that uh, for every offering that we receive at Ignite Church, 5% of that offering goes to starting new churches. So since day one, so for 10 years we've been doing this, and we've been able to start new churches, two new churches, and we look forward to, to starting uh, many more uh, through that. Um, we're going to jump in. We're going to continue in our series in Matthew. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. It's, it's chapters 10 through 12 is what we're focusing on this fall. And really in chapters 10 through 12, what we see is different people's reactions to Jesus and his kingdom. Okay, so, so in the first, you know, like the first nine chapters, we're kind of laying out who Jesus is and, his, and the nature of the kingdom. And now we get to see how people respond to the kingdom. And so we see people, we've seen positive things. We've seen people, uh, you know, step out in faith and, and walk forward and, and, and give up other things to move, uh, to follow Jesus. We've seen people ask questions and pe- some people doubt. Um, we've also seen some, some pretty strong negative reactions um, to the message of Jesus and Jesus himself. And that's always been the case. It's always been the case that people, whenever you're faced with Jesus, there really isn't a, a neutral reaction. It's, it's something that happens because Jesus is a king and, and we respond to that in different ways. And one of the things that we see and what I see in, in pastoral ministry, but also um, just as a follower of Jesus and reading the scriptures, what we see is, is often what happens when, when, when people have negative reactions to Jesus um, sometimes what that is, is it's an expectation that they put on Jesus that Jesus didn't agree to, right? And so, so some people will say like, well, if I follow Jesus, he's going to make my life easy. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to do that. And they get mad at him for it, right? Or if I do this, or, or I, read the, I read this part of the scriptures, which means he's only like this. And Jesus says, no, it's, it, he, he has to level set the expectations for us. I have a, a pastor friend of mine who says, the killer of relationships is unagreed upon expectations. The killer of relationships is unagreed upon expectations. And so he would say, it's like, well, I thought you were going to do this. Well, I thought you were going to do this. No, I was, I was going to do this. Or well, I thought when you said this, you meant this. No, I meant this, right? So we have all those times, at least a frustration, at least a confusion. And what we're going to see is that Jesus spends a lot of time today level-setting expectations about not only who he is, but also who the people around him are and who culture is in, in the response to this. And what we're going to see in the big idea for today is this, is that Jesus is the definer of reality we all need. Jesus is the definer of reality that we all need. And so we're going to get a good dose of reality. We're going we're to have Jesus set the expectation and the stage for us so that we can respond appropriately, accurately, and rightly to him. 
And so we're going to be in Matthew. We're kicking off chapter 11 this morning, so we're going to start in verse 1. So if you have a Bible, you can go there. Uh, the words are going to be on the screen as well. And if you're watching this online, the words are going to be on the screen. So they're going to be on the screen and on the screen. Okay? All right, here we go. Starting uh, with John the Baptist. Okay, this is, this is John the Baptist um, that we're going to be talking about in this first section, verses 1 through 6. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word to his, by his disciples and said to them, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. This is John the Baptist. We read about him in chapter 4. He's the one that baptized Jesus. Okay? So he's eyewitness. He's in the water with Jesus. He gets to baptize Jesus. And, and John looks at Jesus at that time and goes, I think you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, we got, we're going to do it this way. And so he baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes out of the water. The Spirit of God descends upon Jesus like a dove, and a voice from heaven booming says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. John was witness to that. John's message, as he was preparing the way for Jesus' ministry, he was talking about repenting, that people needed to repent from their ways, which means to turn away from. So their sin, their life of sin, their life of idolatry, their life of self-righteousness, they needed to turn away from that, and they needed to turn to Jesus. His message was a message of repentance. And he says, he says that not only do you need to repent, but you need to repent before judgment comes. And he said, there's an ax waiting at the tree of your life, waiting to fall. Or that God is going to winnow you. He's going he's to take the wheat from the, from the chaff, the, the, the leftover stuff. He's going to throw that away. And there's going to be only like judgment and separation and all these things. And that's what John's message was. And he got witness to Jesus' baptism. But as John was preaching and he was preaching about the things that God would want him to preach and the things that are God's plans, he preached against Herod the king. And he said, Herod, what you did was wrong. Now, what Herod did was, is Herod had a brother, and Herod stole his brother's wife and was now living with her and being with her. And John says, you can't do that. That is so gross, right? And it makes holidays really, really awkward. Like, you can't do that. And John gets thrown in jail for it, for saying what, what everyone was thinking. And so John's sitting in jail, and John is in the middle of this spot, and he's hearing about all these really great stories about Jesus, but John is in this moment going, where's the justice, man? Like, where's the justice? Where's the baptism by fire? Where's the, where's the ax that's going to fall down on these, these religious posers and these puppet kings? Like, where's the judgment? God, what is going on? And he's got this crisis moment, and he says, talks to his friends and he says, send a message to Jesus saying, are you the one or should, we, or should we wait for another? Are you the Christ or should we be thinking about someone else and kind of moving on from this? John saw all those amazing stuff and yet here's, he's in this crisis moment and maybe, maybe I wonder if you found yourself in a crisis moment like this. 
Like you're following Jesus, you're doing what you're supposed to, and yet you, are, you suffer injustice. Something's been done to you. People have been gossiping you. You've been abused, and you're like, where's the justice? And John gets to the place going, listen, are you the Christ, or should I be looking for somebody else? Like, are you really God, or, or what? John gets to this moment, and he, and he has the people ask the question, and this is Jesus' response, which is really interesting. Jesus' response is this. Go back to John and say this. What you've seen and what you, what you have witnessed, I want you to report back to John. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Not only was Jesus doing these amazing things, but this is actually the fulfillment of a prophecy found in the book of Isaiah chapter 61. And Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to give sight to the blind. To, and he starts quoting, so Jesus quotes Isaiah 61. And he says, I'm fulfilling the Messiah's work, which is me. And what's really interesting about this is that, is that, is there justice? Yes. Is there a judgment to come? Yes. John is right in his messaging. Saying that he needs, we all need to turn from our ways of wickedness and turn to Jesus because there is a judgment coming. But before that judgment comes, Jesus is going to rescue people. And he's going to, he's going to, he's going to have them turn from their ways so that they can be forgiven and restored. And what was happening is, he, he basically tells John this, I am the Messiah, and the Messiah I have is a bigger thing than what you're focusing on. You're expecting this, which is coming, but you have to expect all of this. And so often we think about the mercy and grace of God, right, as a beautiful, wonderful thing, and when it's upon ourselves. We're like, God, thank you so much for being patient with me. God, thank you for giving my sins. God, thank you for giving me a new start. Now, can you deal with the rest of these fools and bring the judgment already? Like, deal with this already. And Jesus says, I was patient with you. I'll be patient with others and I'm gonna do good to them and I'm gonna bring them to myself. The expectation of John was that this was all gonna be done right now and, and Jesus says, no, it's a, it's a longer road. One of suffering, one of rescue, and one of healing and restoration. And it's really easy to, uh, to dog on John it's really easy to dog on him, but, and I'm sure that's what the crowds were expecting as well. They're like, man, John, come on, get with the program, right? I mean, people are being healed. What's the big deal? John's like, I'm in jail. That's the big deal. When are you going to rescue me? In fact, John would be, end up being executed for, for his crimes. And Jesus would say, blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Your life is happier when you're not offended by the grace and mercy of Jesus to other people and not just to you. And we could dog on John all we want. And the crowds were thinking that, I'm sure, because what we see in verse seven is this. As they went away, they being the disciples of John, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. 
What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's, in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he whom it is written, behold, I send a messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. That's Jesus saying that. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the laws prophesy until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears, let him hear. And you're like, I'm hearing, but I don't quite understand all of that. So we're going to explain it. We're going to walk through this. All, these, all the crowds had gone out to see John the Baptist because he had a message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Prepare the way of the Lord. And so people were going out and hearing John preach. And he knows the crowd's like, so he looks at the crowd and he goes, what did you go out to see? Before you get all self-righteous, what did you go out to see? Did you go out to see a reed shaken by the wind? Like some spineless jellyfish who was just like, whatever. You didn't, that's not why you went out there. That's not John. Did you go out to see a man dressed in fine clothing and soft clothing? The guy's wearing camel hair. No. So you didn't, you didn't do that. If you wanted to go see people dressed in nice clothes, you'd have gone to king's houses. You'd have gone to the palace to see that. So what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yeah. Yeah, you did. You went out and you saw a prophet. A prophet times 10. More than a prophet. More than, you went out and saw the forerunner of Christ. He said, you went out and you saw the one person to get the special message to prepare the way of the Lord. That was his job. He says, there's been no one born on this earth of women who is greater than John the Baptist. And then Jesus shifts gears a little bit. He says, yet. He says, yet, the least in the kingdom is greater than this. And what he is saying is this, is like, even if you have the greatest title in the history of the world given to a human being, it still does not compare to being a citizen of heaven. No matter what a title you achieve, no matter how high you go up the ladder, that is nothing compared to being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. It says it is better to be in, a king, in the kingdom of heaven than anything on this earth. And then he says, from the days of John, John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. John has suffered violence. He was helping usher in the kingdom of heaven and he, had, he was thrown in jail for it. That there's, when we stand up for Jesus, when we say that we, we belong to him, we will suffer violence. Because there are people who do not like Jesus and do not want his kingdom and want nothing to do with that. And some people don't understand that they have to give up control and they don't want it. Some people, some people don't want anybody to rule and reign over them and they don't want anything good around them. 
There are evil people in the world who do violent things, the followers of Jesus. But to be a part of the kingdom of heaven is worth it. And then he says, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And in the last book of the Old Testament is a prophet named Malachi. The book bears his name. So in the book of Malachi, in chapter 4, it talks about Elijah returning to usher in the kingdom of heaven. The name Elijah means Yahweh is God. The Lord is God. And what he's saying, what, what, uh, what Jesus is saying in this moment, he's saying, listen, John bears the title of Elijah. He is the one who ushered in the kingdom of heaven. He's the one that, that ushered in the announcement and proclaimed the announcement of the Christ. Malachi was written 400 years before Jesus was speaking this. And so often when we see that bad things happen or we don't get it, it doesn't make sense, and we have this expectation that things are going to go a certain way, and then they don't, we get to remember in this moment that, that John is fulfilling something that was laid out 400 years prior, that God has a plan. He's meticulously working his plan. He's patiently working his plan. And there's nothing that can stop him. Not even Roman government oppressing the nation of Israel can stop the, the prophet Elijah, John the Baptist, coming and proclaiming the Christ. Take hope, follower of Jesus today, that even when life doesn't make sense to you, it doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense. And that God is working all things. And God has a plan. And we can trust him even in the middle of this. And Jesus, so Jesus talks to John the Baptist. He says, John's like, I don't get your plan. I don't, is this, are you really who you are? Jesus says, yes. And then he looks at everybody else and says, listen, you got to understand that this plan is bigger than you. Bigger than all of us, bigger than all of you. And then he goes into what is one of my favorite <laughs> parts of what Jesus says. And, and, and really, he, he talks about the culture at large. He talks about the culture at large. And I love this section. In, in verse 16, it says this. But what shall I compare this generation, this culture, this group, this time in which we live? What shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man, that being Jesus, came eating and drinking and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Jesus says, listen, violent things happen, stuff happens, we go forward, we, we go out into the culture, but let me tell you what the culture is like. He's like, the culture is like a bunch of kids. Now, in all cultures, what we see is that Children, when they learn how to play or when they discover play, often what they will do is they will play things that they see grown-ups do around them, right? So when you were growing up, maybe you played house, right? 
We play house. You're the mom, you're the daddy, you're the baby. I don't want to be the baby. Well, you were the daddy last time, right? You know, like we, we have like, we play house, right? Well, one of the things that Jewish kids saw a lot of was weddings and funerals, okay? And so they would play wedding and funeral. Maybe you guys played wedding. I don't know how many of you guys play funeral, but you're like, I did. <laughs> what do you do now? I'm a mortician, right? Like, like they played, they played wedding and funeral. And he goes, he goes, this is what this generation is like. It's like their playmates and their playmates are not playing by their rules, okay? Have you ever tried to play with a young child and, and you did not do it right? And the kids lose their ever-loving minds? You, it's now you do it! You're like, I don't know. I don't know. This is a piece of cardboard and a key. I don't know what you want me to do, right? Like this. Okay, okay, right? He said, that's what they're doing right now. That's what culture does. The cultural masses are like immature children who say, we played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We sang the dirge and you didn't mourn. Do what I want in the way that I want when I want. And he says, you can't appease the masses. You can't appease the masses. That's what's happening in our culture today. Like, am I right? Like, have you ever seen somebody go out there and try to placate the masses and just watch them get torn to shreds? And then apologize for saying what they said and getting torn to shreds? Like, that's what's happening. Why? Because the masses are fickle and childish. And Jesus says, you can't appease them. He goes, case in point. I will give you a case study. Me and John the Baptist. If there was anybody if there was anybody who could be seen as a religious adherent and a man who was convicted and was zealous, it was John. John wore camel hair, right? He just wore that around. He was out in the desert. He didn't have a house. He had a strong message. He believed strongly in what he was saying, right? He had strict living. Like he ate oat, like locusts and wild honey, like we have that in our bars of soap now that we get at the farmer's market, but he ate that. It's amazing what you find in that soap nowadays. It's like, this is the Baptist bar. Oh, what are, oh. essential oils, locusts, wild honey. Oh, okay, right? Like, but that's what he was eating. That's what he was eating. Like this man was a strict, zealous man. And they said, that dude's got a demon. That guy's possessed. The crowds are like, well, we didn't like it that he was so serious. Like, there's something wrong with that boy, right? So then Jesus comes along. He says, the son of man comes, which is Jesus' favorite term that he refers to himself. He said, I come along, and I eat with people, and I drink with people, and I go to weddings, and I go to parties, and people are like, that guy's a drunk. That guy's a glutton. He's a friend of sinners. Look at all those sinners and Jesus sitting with them. Jesus didn't get drunk. Jesus wasn't a glutton. Jesus never sinned. He didn't participate in any sin. But he sat with people and he laughed with people and he celebrated with people. He's like, the crowds will never be like, you got John on one side, you got me over here. Either you're a demon or you're drunk. He's like, that's what this generation is like because the crowds are fickle. And if we try to live 
to appease the crowds, we will get eaten alive. So what do we do, right? Like, what do we do in today's age? Like, what are we supposed to do with all of this stuff going on, right? I think Jesus gives us the key at the end. He says, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. We know in the book of Proverbs that says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, awe, reverence, respect, a healthy dose of fear, this, this understanding that God is bigger than us and we are small, that God is perfect and we are sinners. This fear of the Lord is what drives us to wisdom. And God in his mercy and in his grace forgives our sin by way of the cross. He didn't have to, but he did. He says, wisdom is justified by our deeds. What I believe is happening here is saying, follow me and let the chips fall where they may. Follow Jesus, regardless of what the crowds have to say. Follow Jesus, because following Jesus will be justified by her deeds. Following Jesus means that we will do things because when we follow him, we'll be like him. We want to walk with him. And Jesus is like, I'm going to go here. Okay. I'm going to go to the broken. Okay. I'm going to go to the helpless. Okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to go minister to people. Okay. I'm going to go encourage people. Okay. I'm like, we just follow Jesus, right? We follow Jesus and we let the chips fall where they may. And what happens, it's amazing. It doesn't happen all the time, but this often will happen, is, is that wisdom is justified by her deeds. Meaning like when we follow Jesus, listen, you're going to get mocked. Just, just know that. Like, you're going to get made fun of. That might be the, the least that happens to you. You're going to get mocked. Oh, so you're one of them. Uh, what's them? Well, you know, Jesus freak, Bible thumper, you know, that kind of, wears a lot of denim, right? Like, gotten, I've gotten all of them, right? You know, like, they're like, oh, so you're one of them. Said this before, too, like, when I meet people, oh, so what do you do for a living? I just kind of take a breath, and I'm like, I'm a pastor, I get three reactions, one of three. One is, oh, well, this was fun, right? Number two, uh, I get confessions, right? Well, I, you know, I, I usually, I used to go to church a lot, but I didn't, you know, I got this going on, I'm busy, but, but you know, like, I'm, I'm totally into this, yeah, okay. Or I get people, like, just breaking down, <laughs> And they're like, can you talk? And I'm like, yeah, I can talk. I got time. Right? When we're followers of Jesus, what happens is sometimes you'll get mocked, and the same people that will mock you will end up really wanting to talk to you when their life falls apart or when things go bad. Because you're an easy target at first, but then you're consistent, and they realize they're like, wow, I've, I've had that happen too. Where people are like, you know, I've talked to all my friends, and they haven't given me good advice. Can I just talk to you? I know that you're like that, that person that follows Jesus. Like, yeah, let's talk. They're like, you're a priest, right? I'm like, no, I'm married. So, but you can talk to anybody who follows Jesus. And that, that'll happen to you. And what happens is, is the more we follow Jesus, the more we just kind of start to influence culture and the people around us. We can impact the world. 
by being a follower of Jesus. And so I don't know where you, where you find yourself today. I don't know where you find yourself today. Maybe you're struggling with God's timing in your life. Maybe something bad has happened to you and you're wondering when it's gonna end. And you wonder when God's gonna do something. Like John did. And in that moment, can you, this is a great opportunity for us to go back to this and, and remember that God is up to something bigger than just our story, although God doesn't ignore our story. It's so cool to me that, that God, like, God's got other things at play yet cares about us. He cares about you and he cares about me and he cares about what's happening in our life, but he's orchestrating lots of things all at once. We can trust him even when we don't understand his timing. Maybe we're like the crowds and, and you don't understand God's plan. Well, just go back and, and read this and remind yourself again and be reminded again that Jesus, Jesus is working things out over a long period of time, much longer than we have been alive. And God's got a plan and he's moving in that direction and nothing can stop him and the battle belongs to him and we can trust his plan as well as his timing. Or maybe you're here today and you're just struggling with what to make of Jesus in general. What does it mean to be a follower of him? Why do I get made fun of for doing it? Or maybe you're just checking this out and going, man, I, I wanna know more about Jesus. But I invite you to keep coming back here. Keep coming back because we're gonna continue to keep opening the word of God and we're gonna continue to teach people and discover together Jesus. And as we see him and behold him, we can worship him and follow him. And along the way, he gives us these things to remember. Often what we see in the scriptures is this idea of remembrance. And one of the, one of the last things that Jesus did was he instituted an act of remembrance known as communion. And you guys would have grabbed these on the way in, so I want to I lead us in a time of communion right now. Before we begin, I, I want to kind of explain how we're going to do it, okay? So, so we're going to take a time to confess our sins quietly to the Lord. We're going to take the bread together. I'll lead us through that, and we'll take the cup together. I'll lead us through that. If you're watching this online and you want to participate, maybe you hit the pause button right now, and you go get the elements and come back, and you can take communion. Um, at Ignite Church, we practice what's called open communion. And what that means is, is you don't have to belong to Ignite Church, but we do ask that you belong to Christ. Followers of Jesus, the, the, the table, the, the communion uh, elements are for the follower of Jesus. And so if that is you today, and you're a follower of Jesus, then by all means participate with us. If you're checking this out today, if you're just kind of here visiting, we ask that you just refrain, witness, and kind of listen as we walk through this together. Jesus, uh, in his word, says that we are not to take communion in an unworthy manner, which means we can't just pretend like our sins don't happen, and we can't just, we can't just go live one way and then come here and think that everything is all good. And so what we want to do is we're going to take a few moments and we're going to take time for confession to just pray silently. And as, as the Holy Spirit draws things out of things that you need to deal with, just bring those to God. Okay, we're just to take a few moments in silence and then I'll lead us in the next uh, part. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, we give all of these things to you. We give you all of our sin, our self-righteousness, our self-reliance, our greed, our malice, our gossip, our lust, so many other things that just kind of come to mind, our anger and our rage. Lord, we ask that you would be merciful to us and forgive us of our sins. We can't deal with our sin on our own. We have to bring it to you because you're the only one who can make things right, and that is by the way that you died on the cross for us, taking the punishment for all the sins that we have just confessed. And God, we trust that this is enough. We know that your cross is sufficient to cover everything that I've done and everything that we've done. So God, have mercy on us. And let us walk in a newness of life again. Restore to us the joy of our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, this time, if you want to take out the wafer. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, remember me. It is good to remember what Jesus has done for us. It is good to remember his kindness and his goodness. And it is good for us to remember that he's the one that sets our expectations, that he is our reference point. And when we encounter him, that changes us and that shapes us. And maybe today you're at this place where like something struck you different than it has before. Or maybe for the first time, something in your heart is going on about maybe putting your trust in Jesus. Or maybe you got questions. Or maybe you need someone to pray for you. The way that we do that here at Ignite is we have a, a text service. So if you would text the word connect, just the word connect, to the number 218-377-5787. You can do that from your home, you can do that from here, you can do that on the way out, just don't text and drive. But we wanna connect with you and we wanna help you take your next step. 